Peter's with us. Lincoln's going to come. He's going to share with us about what's been happening at in in his area of uh, Bowling Green State University. He's uh, has going to tell us about his ministry there at the university. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but you know we're actually I'm actually related to Lincoln. Um, now I I'm not sure how it is, but um, my grandfather and his great great grandfather I think are half brothers. That makes us kind of related. But, you know, the other side of it is, as I'm sitting here thinking, Lincoln, his mother's maiden name is Often Camp. And so that makes you almost related on the other side, too. Wow. What a, I don't know what that means, but I thought it was kind of interesting. But uh, we're just glad to have Lincoln here. We support Lincoln. I don't know. I think most of you probably would know this, but we support Lincoln on a regular basis and just glad to have him come back and share with us what God's been doing. So, Lincoln. Is it good? Maybe up a little bit? Whatever you think. All right. Uh, yeah, after Pastor Ron said that, I think that's kind of a uh, theme that I'm seeing. Talking to many people, they're like, I'm actually related to you too. This way, this way, this way. And it's like, okay, I guess I'm related to the entire church. Which, that's cool. Great. I'm excited. I'm excited you all know me a little bit, even if I don't know you quite so well. Um, it's exciting to talk to as many people as I can. But I wanted to thank the worship team. I was really uh, served by that. I think maybe the third song, it said, I'm restored and made right, uh, and he got a hold of my life. I, I got Jesus, and how could I want more? Uh, and that is, man, that's that's my story. So I think he did a good job of in, introducing me. So my name's Lincoln from the area. I guess y'all would know that because I'm related to most of you. Um <laughs> But I graduated from Bowling Green State University, too. Um, I, wanted, I graduated with a degree in marketing and supply chain management, so that is a business degree. And that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted uh, when I went to school. Uh, but God had different plans. So I work for Campus Outreach now. Uh, and the majority of people, when I ask them, and I'm telling them what I do, they ask, so how did you get here? So what, what was the disconnect from you were going to do uh, supply chain management and marketing, or you're going to go into the business world, now you're doing ministry. Uh, my answer is that's a crazy redeeming story um, that God changed my life, and he changed what I wanted. So I came into, like I said, I came into school wanting to make a lot of money. I came into school wanting to go and uh, and go into the corporate world, um, which were decent motives. Do that and serve God. That's great. But however, man, God came and changed. So he came and convinced me of my sin, first of all. So I came in to college not necessarily thinking or thinking that I could kind of get to get to the Jesus my own way, get to God my own way, get to heaven my own way. I thought I had eternal life, um, but I don't think I was convinced of my sin. Well, I didn't think that I was that bad of a person. Uh, I thought that and I could kind of do it my own way. However, God used some great people named Chris and Casey, who also I work with now, um, to kind of come in and break those things down, to break down and tell me, listen, you're not good enough. The only person that is good enough to make it to heaven was Jesus who walked uh, the earth thousands of years ago and died on the cross so that you could be good enough. Um, that's something I didn't really understand. That's something that didn't really change my life until college. Uh, I had great parents, as most of us I'm here probably did, and they shared a lot of that same stuff with me, but it didn't necessarily change my life. So God was very gracious in being patient with me 
in teaching me um, through these two people, and my life was changed. What I began to see is I began to see students uh, left and right uh, at Bowling Green State University who didn't know the same thing, who were serving different kings, um, not the one and only king as we were singing. They were serving kings of uh, success, kings of uh, self, kings of drugs, kings of alcohol, left and right. Um, I saw that, and I saw, man, I I wanted to change. Not only had my life been changed, but I wanted to see that left and right all over BGSU's campus. So that's why I'm doing what I'm, I'm doing a vision. I want to see young men grow to know the Lord. Um, however, so you might know me. Again, we're related, the whole thing again. Um, but uh, you might not know who exactly is Campus Outreach, so I want to lay that out a little bit too. So Campus Outreach at its core is a discipleship organization. So what do we want to see our mission statement is? We want to build laborers on the campus for the lost world. So yeah, we want we want laborers in the corporate world. We want laborers in education. That's a big major at BGSU, education. So we want Christian teachers that are going to labor. Um, and that comes from Matthew 9, Matthew 9, 36, 37, or 36 and 38 through 38. It says, And Jesus looked over the people and saw them harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. And he turned to his disciples and he said the famous words. He said, um, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So go and pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he might send some laborers out into his harvest. Um, and you hear that and you're like, okay, well, what, what exactly is a laborer and how is that different from a Christian? Um, I don't necessarily think that it should be, but I think a lot of times it is different. So does anyone have an idea of what a laborer might be, what I'm re- referencing when I say a laborer? You can say it out loud if you want to. I want to make this interactive. But I can, I can say it in general too. Um, I'll get, it, I'll get going. I'll say what a laborer is. A laborer is not only someone that's a lifelong disciple of Jesus that follows the Bible um, and loves him for his entire life or her entire life, but it's also someone that is building laborers, that's building disciples for Jesus for their entire life. So they have a vision to continue to do it, not just to live it their own life, but sharing the gospel and seeing that happen in the lives of people around them. So that's what I want to see. I'm not content with just living a life by myself. I want to see reproducers throughout Boyne Green's campus. Um, and that's really who we are. We want to see reprodu- people. We want to see men and women at BGSU eventually going on to reproduce their lives um, that other people might know Jesus as well. That that would keep building up like a snowball effect. Or a snowball effect. We got cold out here. There it is. Snowball. You get the snow together, pack it. Snowball keeps rolling, and it's growing. Lord, uh the Lord of everyone's life, that BGSU might be changed, and the world might be changed from that, because we want to see the lost, lost world changed. Um, so that's what, that's what a laborer is. Uh, and then the other question that I get when people, when I tell them what I do, they're like, okay, well, what does that look like day to day? And I wanted to share that a little bit. So I think there's kind of three things. So I meet a ton of people. Uh, and how do I meet those people? There's a lot of them at BGSU. I'll go to dorms. I'll go to dorms, try to get in there at night and hang out with students, whether it's playing card games, um, whether it's playing video games, whatever I can do. The other thing that I'll do, or I'll go and play basketball. I love to play basketball. I'll sit at the union sometimes, just sit down and try to talk to students. Um, it's crazy how different it is, even from when I was in school. And I imagine you'd hear a big difference from when I was in school than when some of y'all were, but when I sit down with students, it's crazy how much less they want to talk to me than people, even when I was in school, which is not that long ago, did. I would, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll sit down and talk to me. I like, I'm a people person. I'll talk to anybody, but now I'll sit down next to someone, and they're just like, 
nope, don't want to talk to him. So it's crazy just the changing, but I'll, I'll do that. It's growing for me. It's co- uncomfortable, but that's, that's a way to meet people. So that's a big thing. I want to build friendships. I'm going to meet a lot of people. Um, the other thing is I'm trying to share the gospel of Jesus, um, that he died um, for our sins, um, that we might get to heaven every day. I want to share as much as I can every day with those people that I'm meeting. And then the third thing that I want to do is I want to build foundations of faith with the students that I'm investing in and the students that would proclaim Christianity. Um, so that's those are different conversations every day depending on the person, where they're at. Uh, sometimes it's let's teach you how to study the Word of God so that you're not just reading empty pages on a in the Bible, empty words, uh, just hearing it, but reflect on it so that you can see the context and how that changes, see fulfillment of prophecy, all these different things. So I want to teach them things like that. I want to teach them how to see the gospel or see things in life through the lens of the gospel. So it's like, let me look at things that political parties might change. So hot issues, um, whether you see conservative or you see um, liberal, I want you not to look at the lens through conservative or liberal. I want you to look at lens things like abortion, things like gay marriage through the lens of the gospel, not through conservative or liberal. I want you to see those through the lens of the of the gospel. So those are two, those are conversations of stuff that I might have with someone that's a growing Christian. Um, and to kind of lay these out, I want to share two stories. Um, one of a man named Jalen that I kind of knew before he came to BGSU and another uh, named Brandon. But I'll start with Jalen. Um, so Jalen is a guy that went to Otsego High School. He's a few years younger than me. Um, I knew him a little bit. I knew of him. Um, but I had a, a friend named Josh that went there that was really close to Jalen. I was really close with Josh. I would hang out with him. I would share the gospel with him a lot, um, but he eventually just rejected it. He knew he wasn't a Christian and really just didn't even want it. However, through that friendship that I already had, I was able to share with Jalen. He connected me to Jalen, and even he was put at the community center in Bowling Green. He was shooting hoops. He wasn't even in school yet, kind of just working outside of high school. Uh, And I saw him, and I was like, hey, man, uh, I think your name's Jalen, right? I'm Lincoln. He said, oh, yeah, I know of you. So we started talking, and eventually I got into him. What do you believe? Like, what what are some thoughts you have about life after death, where you might go? Uh, what do you think about these things? Um, he proclaimed Christianity. However, it was evident to me through what I talked that he kind of believed in this Santa Claus Christian, or the Santa Claus Jesus or God, uh, that he could kind of ask for things, and whenever he needed something, he'd go and ask, let me ask Santa Claus for it. Let me ask Jesus that maybe he'll bless me. However, when he didn't need anything, he wasn't ever talking. So it was, evident, it was evident to me that he wasn't a Christian. It was evident that Jesus hadn't really changed his life. So we'll fast forward. This for last semester, Jalen comes to BG, and I'm having conversations with him. I'm excited. I'm like, I know this guy. I really like him. He's a sweet guy. Um, so I'm continuing having conversations, breaking down the bar- barriers, convincing him of his sinfulness, that he needs not just God for uh, good things, but he needs God for his everyday life. Um, and then he's too sinful to do things by himself. So I have tons of conversations. I'm saying maybe 10 to 12 different conversations through lunches uh, and things in general. So I lose a little bit of contact uh, con- contact with him for maybe one to two weeks. I didn't see him. However, I invite him to McDonald's. That's guilty pleasure of mine. I like McDonald's Coke every once in a while. I really do. I wish I didn't. It's not necessarily great for me, but I do like it. Um, so I invite him there. We go. We sit down. We're talking. I'm like, how's, how's life going? Jalen's got this girlfriend. Um, I'm like, how, how are things going with that? Um, he had mentioned to me in, through conversations earlier that they were sleeping together, um, and it broke my heart. But I was like, he's not a Christian. There's no, no wonder he's doing these things. Um, 
So I have this conversation with him. He's like, actually, I wanted to talk to you about that because I was reading through the Bible um, and I had thought about this. I was like, why do why do I have these type of relations with my girlfriend? Um, some people tell me it's wrong, but I don't know why. So was like, I was reading through my Bible and I came across a conviction. He's like, I didn't I never knew why it was wrong, but I was reading the Bible and figured out, yes, this is wrong. I can't I can't keep doing this. I can't keep sleeping with my girlfriend. So he had a conversation with his girlfriend the night that he read that. He said, hey, we can't keep doing this. If we're going to continue to in a relationship, we can't continue to do this. So he said, man, I think that changed my life. Sitting right there made me realize how sinful I was and that there's this holy God that I need to live and go before. So Jalen became a Christian recently, just before uh, winter break or yeah, New Year's break. Uh, but I was super excited about that. I'm looking forward to kind of reconnecting to him this this semester and uh, investing in him. Uh, so that's that's a story of I didn't really go out and find this guy. This is a connection of someone I already knew, just kind of came in. God was working in his life already, continuing to do things, and I didn't really do anything. Um, but God was good. So Jalen's someone I'm really excited about. And this other guy, Brandon. So Brandon's from Finley. Um, we have a lot of students from Finley come to BGSU. Uh, but I have some friends from Finley and usually can connect with them a little bit because I know some th- things about Finley. So I started talking to him the maybe the first two weeks, within the first two weeks of school this year. He's a freshman. Um, and just started asking him about faith in general, what he thought. And he said, you know, I grew up in the church. I grew up going to church. Everyone around my area did, uh, and I never questioned anything. I thought, man, this is what my parents say are true. Um, they have, it has to be true. However, when I came to college, I started questioning everything. I had a critical thing. He's like, this critical thinking class with Dr. Brown, he said, made me question everything. He questions everything, and I had no, nothing to back it up. I had no reason why I believed what I did. I just told him that I believed it. And he said, so now I'm like, do I even believe that? I don't have any sort of foundation. He's like, I have no foundation for faith. And thus, he's like, I have to say that I don't believe. Um, and I was, I was a little bit excited because he was real with himself. So many times I talk to students and they say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they have no reason why. And they're like, oh, I'm just that because that's what my parents say that I am. So he's thinking. He's re- it's real. He's real with himself. So I could continue to have questions. I continue to bring up some apologetics. So reasons to believe, historical reasons and why the Bible is accurate. Um, and it's not just were this the Bible written um, over time and changed in translations. So I start to have conversations like that. I start to have conversations on how God can be a God that sets up nature, um, the laws of nature, but also live outside of nature and, and do things like the miracles that you see in the Bible. And sometimes you see day to day. So I have conversations like that with him. And he say, you know, those are really helpful every time. But he's still not a Christian. Jalen's not a Christian yet. He's still, uh, Brandon's not a Christian yet. He would say he's not. But I'm excited to continue to invest um, because his life is worth it. The gospel I eventually believe that the gospel will come and get him, and his life is worth investing in continuing. Whether it takes a million conversations or not, uh, I'm going to continue to invest Jalen. Hopefully he becomes a laborer, and hopefully eventually he multiplies his life. So these are just a few examples of conversations I have every day, conversations and people that I invest in every day. They look a lot like this, um, and anyone that's just interested in hearing more, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. Get your email address. I send out updates of people, just hearing stories about people like Jalen and Brandon. Um, so come and see me. I'll, get, I'll take your email address. You can hear more about. I'm thankful. 
I'm thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for New Hope Church. Y'all support me, and I'm, I'm very thankful for that. So thanks for some time to share. Um, thanks for some time to update. And I think I'm going to pray for Pastor Ron as he comes up. Um, Lord God, uh, I thank you for this church. Lord, I pray for the congregation that they'd be ready to receive the word of God, um, that their hearts would be changed even through this little message. Um, I pray for Pastor Ron that he would diligently uh, give your word and serve people um, through this. Uh, in your son's name I pray, amen. Thank you, Lincoln. You know, it's it's interesting. I don't know if you kind of catch it, but you know, he is he is really. I think what he does is really unique, because, you know, he he just had a call to go to the campus and went through this organization. But, you know, it's it's not a church. It's just him walking onto a campus and starting to meet people and share with people, you know. And sure enough, God opens doors. You know, I, I, you know, um, why, why we, why are we surprised? I don't know, but you know, it's like, really? But you know, that's what God does. And I think it should be an encouragement for us to think about, well, if God can do that on Bowling Green campus through him, you know, then obviously God would want me to do that wherever I'm at, you know, wherever you're at, wherever we are. But I think it, part of it also starts with a mindset. And I think sometimes in the church, we've, we've lost the sense of the value of one, of one person. You know, sometimes we think in big numbers and we think in crowds and we think in, in uh, just it's got to be big. And I think we sometimes forget that it's, it's about one. And I believe that that one starts with us as individuals, starts with you. You know, if we don't see the value of ourself, you know, the value of one has to start with seeing value in yourself. That You know, you have to see value in yourself or you're not going to see value in others. You know, if, if I'm saved by grace and, and I believe that God sent Jesus for me and I'm a child of God, I'm a joint heir with Christ, then I have value. I have value. God placed value on you and God placed value on me as individuals. And that value has to be something that I get a hold of so that I see God, I see myself as God sees me. And I see that value that he's placed on me. And when I see the value he's placed on me, then I see value in other people. I see value in those around me. And that's, that's, that has to be utmost that we... We start there. You know, if I don't think I'm any good or if I'm not worth it or I'm not going to share with anybody. I mean, what have I got to share if I think, well, you know, I don't amount to much. You know, I'm not worth anything. I, I'm not, I, don't have, I don't feel like I have anything to share with somebody. So we have to start there. It has to be that, you know, and, and it's interesting, Lincoln, I want to, I just hope you grabbed a hold of the fact. Um, you know, Lincoln, he grew up in a, like he said, and, and I want our young people to hear that. He said, I grew up in a good family, Christian family. He went to a good church, and he still had to come to that place where he knew he was a sinner and developed that relationship with Christ because of who he was. 
And that has to happen. It is, it's, not a, it's not something you just kind of automatically slide into. You know, it's not something you just, you know, inherit. That's, that's extremely important. When we think about the value of one, I want to think for a moment about Jesus. And I was, I was thinking about this as I thought about my message. You know, in the Bible, Jesus did a couple things. And one of the things he did was he encountered people one-on-one. You know, the, the, a lot of the times the stories are Zacchaeus. You know, he's walking along. Zacchaeus, come down. I want to go to your house. You know, the woman at the well, he sits down and starts talking to a woman at a well. One of the places where you don't think about it very often, but the thief on the cross was a one-on-one. His last, his last encounter was the thief on the cross. Many times throughout Scripture. Now, Jesus also had one-on-one with his disciples. He had, he had a select group that he spent a lot of time with. You know, a lot of times he would get away from the crowds and he would take these 12 and he would go off and spend time with them, teaching and training them to be disciples. Jesus also spoke to crowds. You know, he did speak to crowds. But it's hard to know which ones in the crowds actually believed him. You know, it's hard to know. He spoke to crowds. You know, it's a little bit, a little bit like, you know, you, you speak to a crowd of people. You don't know what's happening individually. Now, if I sit down with you, then I can start to talk and say, what's happening? But, you know, when he spoke to crowds, what you find in the crowds is sometimes it seems there was people who followed him, and sometimes there was people who said, no, I can't do this. That's not for me, and they walked away. So we see that, that Jesus, even though, you know, whether it's crowds or whether it's an individual, he put that value on one. And it's important for us as Christians to put value on people as individuals. And I want to start with looking at Luke, the 15th chapter. In Luke, the 15th chapter, beginning at the first verse, it says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. The Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So, you know, the crowd Obviously, there's a crowd, but some of them in the crowd didn't. They were complaining and saying, "Well, he's, he 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 attracts the wrong kind of people." Um, long time ago, the well, yeah, a long time ago. What's a long time ago? Well, probably forty, forty-five years ago. I heard a pastor share this. He said, "You know, we claim to be the light of the world." You know, as Christians, we're the light. You know, Jesus is the light of the world, and we're to share that light. He says, just remember, if you're the light of the world, you will attract funny bugs. Think about it. Think about it. What did Jesus do? Well, the Pharisees and the scribes complained because he attracted funny bugs. He said, well, you have all these sinners following you. You know, we have, you have all, what's wrong? And that's one of the faults I think the church has to own up to sometimes. That sometimes we aren't very good at accepting funny bugs. And I think we have to be always mindful and careful that, you know, that's part of our responsibility is that we attract people who have needs just like we do. Now, sometimes when you're in the church long enough, you don't think you're a funny bug anymore. You know, that well, we're finally okay. So anyway, so in the midst of this, Jesus spoke a parable and he said, what man among you having a hundred sheep If he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. What do we see here? Jesus says, a man had, had 100 sheep. He had 100. And he lost one. Now, the value is in the 99 in, in value. In other words, you got 99, you lost one. You might say, hey, it's only one. I still got 99. I, I've, I still, I, you know, and there, there might be a chance of saying, I don't want to risk the 99 to go after the one because the 99 have a lot more value. But where did Jesus place the value? He placed the value on the one. He placed the value on the one. He says, no. He says, he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And that is contrary to our thinking. That is contrary to our thinking. Because I don't think a lot of times we put the value on one. We put the value on the 99. But Jesus didn't do that. He says no. He says the one has value because that one is lost. And so he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. There's a risk involved. There's a risk involved. I think a lot of times in Christianity in our walk with the Lord, there's always risk involved. If there's not risk involved, you probably aren't doing anything. You know? And so I think there's risk. Leave the 99, go after the one. Sometimes maybe we might do things to where people would say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Do you think going after the one looks good to most people? especially not in the world. Like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Why would you go after one? You've got 99. You know, sometimes we could also feel comfortable in the fact that we've got 99. So the one's not that important. And I think sometimes we can almost develop mindsets to how we think, how we see things, how we see people. I think as Christians, we have to be very careful because, because it says here that when he finds that one, puts it on his shoulder and comes back, and he rejoices. You know, he calls his friends and families. He got to say, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. He says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 just persons who need no repentance. Here's my interpretation. This is my interpretation of that. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner repents than a whole church for a whole church full of righteous people. Think about that. Think about it. You know, what do we what do we rejoice over? What what do we see as as valuable? And I think we 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 can never lose sight of the value of lost ones, one that's lost. You know, that we keep reaching Reaching out, reaching out, never satisfied with 99. That doesn't mean we don't appreciate the 99. That doesn't know, you know, that they're not important, that we devalue them. But it shows the value of the one. And when the church doesn't see that, the church starts to die. When the church gets comfortable with the 99, it starts to die. 
when the church gets comfortable with the 99, I also believe it loses God's favor and blessing because he's after the one. And so if you have a church that's not after the one, I think you start to lose favor. And so I think that has to be utmost and foremost, that we see the value of one. And it, it has to be in individuals. It has to be each of us seeing the value of people around us, the one. Sometimes the funny bugs. Sometimes people who we think, I don't know if I want to share with them. Oh, I don't know. Or somebody that you say, oh, they keep calling me. Oh, I wish they'd just leave me alone. Instead of saying, wow, they keep calling. It's an opportunity. See, I want to share that. If you listen, Lincoln says, I, I go where people want to listen. People who I can sit down with. People I can talk. It's not real difficult. But sometimes I think we go, well, I don't know if I want to do that. Or I don't know. Well, can I pick who I sit down and talk to? No. I don't think you can. You can, but I don't think that's what really works. I believe God will send the one. I believe he'll send them. He'll send them. Don't miss them. Don't miss them when he sends them. You know, be aware. You know, sometimes we have to keep our, we have to keep our thinking right, a right mindset to the value of one. What difference, you know, what difference does it make? Well, it makes all the difference. All the difference. You know, a common scripture that we all know is John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved the world. Well, guess what? You're not going to share with the world. I mean, you know, he, God loved the world. He loved, he loved the whole world. He loved every, he still loves the world. He loves the world. He loves, and, and he loves the world so much that he sent his only begotten son, but then it's that whosoever. He loves the world, but it's an individual that comes to him, that whosoever believes. The whole world, he didn't say God so loved the world so that the world would believe. God so loved the world so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's one person. One at a time. One at a time. You know, it's got to be it's got to be that way. If it's not one at a time, then who are we reaching? Who are we re- who are we reaching? If it's not one at a time. You know, we're not going to reach 100 at a time. People are going to get saved. Whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting time. One at a time. One at a time. And so I think, I think for the church, for us as individuals, we have, to keep, we have to keep that mindset and that focus. Lord, who do you want me to share with? And what's the value of that person? What kind of value does God place on that person? What kind of value? Because sometimes I think we get kind of like, you know, you know, I, you know, I'll confess that, you know, people that irritate me after a while, you know, I can write them off real easy. You know, it's like, hey, you know, just get out of my life. Get out of my life. Leave me alone. You know, we can we can develop those mindsets if we're not careful. You know, and we lose and don't place the value that God places on that one, that one. And like Lincoln said, you know, they're sinners. What do you think they're going to look like? What do you think they're going to look like? You think they're all going to be nice people? 
You think they're all going to be just neat and clean the way we think they ought to be? You think they're all going to just make us feel good? Well, sorry. Sorry. They're not. They're not. And one of the things that I notice is that population is growing. And that population is kind of getting more ugly, nasty. There's parts of that population that just aren't nice at all. But I think we as Christians can't lose the value that God places on them. The value of one. One. One lost person. They're lost. Like Lincoln said, you know, we're sinners. And, you know, they're no different than you and me, a sinner. A sinner apart from Christ is just a sinner. It's not like, well, they're a good sinner or bad. They're sinners. You know, I'm a, you know, some may look a little better, clean up a little better, present themselves a little better. But apart from Christ, we, we're all sinners. We've all sinned. So we all have that same value. We're all at that same place. So I just encourage you, you know, um, I, you know, I, um, I don't know what's right. I was going to say I love supporting Lincoln. Well, I do. But um, I love, I love what he does. And I love it because it keeps reminding me of how simple it is to share God's love. And just one at a time, you know, go. And what a, what a, what a thing, because you know, he didn't say this, but, you know, as you share with one, then that one shares with another one. You know, the original gospel started with 11. 12, one failed, started with 11, you know, and immediately spread throughout the world. It didn't, I mean, this is like wildfire. So, you know, Christians just receiving or re- deciding the value of one can change the world. And every generation has to do it. If any generation skips then the gospel isn't shared. So it's, it's, it has to keep going. It has to keep going. Each generation sharing with those around them. So I just pray that, you know, as a church and as individuals, we just continue, continue and, and continue to pray and seek God and pray for more opportunities to share the gospel, to share the gospel, to be sensitive, to be ready, to be ready to share. You know, I, I hope you sense that you know, he didn't make it real difficult, Lincoln. He just, you share the gospel. You share what you know. You share what Christ has done. You share his word with people. And he, you know, and he says, you know, I shared with somebody. Well, they didn't seem to receive it. Well, I pray and I keep sharing. You know, it's, it's, it's not rocket science, really. You know, and it's not hard. Sometimes I think we're afraid. We're afraid to. And, uh, I think we just need to sometimes have boldness to share and and pray that God gives us that sense of value on people, on people, people around us, so they might know him like we do. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you just help us, Lord, to to just know the value of one. And I pray that each individual here, Lord, would know their value in you. That, Lord, you sent your son to die on a cross for them personally. You love the world, but you sent your son for us, for each of us as individuals, so that we as individuals might know you. So, Lord, I pray that you just uh, speak to our hearts. Lord, if there's those that, that don't know you, Lord, you just help them to, to make that decision, to realize their sinfulness and to come to you and receive your forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for those that you send. Pray, Lord, you just help us to be faithful to share your love wherever we have opportunity, wherever doors open. 
whether it's at work or or wherever it is, Lord, that you just help us to be ready to share with those around us. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that needs prayer this morning, you just uh, encourage them to come up and let Tom and Pam and Jim pray for, pray for them this morning. Lord, we just pray that you dismiss us now with your blessing. We just ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.